Hey, everyone. Welcome to How to Write the Future podcast. I'm your host, Beth Barani, science fiction and fantasy writer and writing teacher. Welcome back for another top five favorite interviews episode. I'm going to introduce each one. Hope you enjoy them and stay tuned for a little goodie at the end. All right. Introducing the next favorite interview that I did uh, this past year. It's with a group of historical fiction writers. They call themselves the Paper Lantern Writers, writing all different kinds of historical fiction. I really enjoyed talking to them. They're doing a unique kind of marketing promotion coming together. Enjoy. It's so interesting. You're all in different subsets of historical I was really struck by that when I first met everybody. Honestly, I was like, how do you make this work? Because your readership, historical romance, might only love that and not love historical crime fiction or those who read the heritage fiction, which I hadn't heard that before, which is beautiful, might not like the others. How do you overcome that hurdle? Who would like to take that one up? I would love to take that one if I could. Yeah, please do. I believe as a reader, I like to read across the spectrum. I love to read science fiction. I love to read fantasy. I love to read biography. I love heritage fiction, crime fiction. I love all of it. I want to read everything. I mean, there are times when I get into one genre more than the other, but then, you know, I'm always drifting off to other other things. And I don't think I'm alone in that. So when we form Paper Lantern, we wondered if historical fiction was going to be a tight enough genre bond for all of us. And we've had to experiment with who on our website. We have areas so we can say, oh, if you are a historical romance person, you know, here are a few offerings. If you are a biographical fiction lover, then try these out. So that way we can cater to everybody, but also just show really, I think a lot of people love historical fiction because you learn something at the same time as getting a story. It's the edutainment. So, and I think that's really what happened. And it's so far been really great. And I do think that our reach has expanded. And one thing that I, uh, as the romance writer in the group, for a while I was the only one, I do think that it has really helped because romance uh, as a genre is often seen as being vapid or somehow lesser. And I think that being aligned with just historical fiction has actually helped raise awareness for other readers that, oh, there actually is meat to every one of these books. Next on the list is my conversation with Russell Nolte. Russell is doing some really incredible things for authors, including his author ecosystem, which you can find out about in the full-length episode. Enjoy our excerpt next. Welcome, Russell. So glad you could be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And just a wonderful plug. I really enjoy your fiction. I have your graphic novel that I'm spacing on. I got to go grab it, but about the girl who has to fight demons. Green hates uh, the dead. Yeah, I, I loved it. Made me cry at the end. It's really good. Oh, thank yeah. you. That's well, the best you can do when you have an action book is if you can get people to care about the characters enough to cry or feel emotion at the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right there with you. And just so everyone knows, full disclosure, I've taken Russell's Kickstarter programs for novelists, and I successfully did a Kickstarter launch last year for the fourth book. Yeah, in my sci-fi mystery series, Red Running Deep, and I, I did a modest goal. I achieved my goal, almost tripled my goal. It was a really great experience. Opened my eyes to how to do a Kickstarter for a novelist, which I think is a great option, and which kind of segues us into 
sustainability and creating author careers, which I understand your author ecosystem is all about. It is. So it's interesting because we have had Monica and I, my business partner, Monica Leonel and I, we've worked with thousands of authors at this point across over 25 years. And both of us have this very longitudinal perspective and data-driven perspective to how we run our businesses. I have a degree in sociology. Monica has an MBA. And uh, so we started to see this trend in our students where even though we give them all the same content, and if you've ever done any courses or you've ever taught anything, you know that given the same information, a small percentage of the people do well. The average person does well. Then some percent of people way overperform, but then another group way underperforms. And so we got really obsessed with why people underperform, why people are on the outliers, because I love a good bell curve, but I am all about looking at long and short tails. In this excerpt, you're going to get a little taste of Joe Tankersley. Joe is a fiction writer, futurist, and really nice guy talking to me about the work that he does. Enjoy. Thanks, Joe, for joining me today. And gosh, where do we begin? Is there any opening remarks you want to jump in after after hearing your bio read back to you? It's always depressing to hear your bio read back to you. It just makes me feel like I'm really old, actually. It's too long, but you know. <laughs> well, you've done a lot and, and that's important. I mean, your insight adds to the conversation in a way that I, a lot of people don't have have that experience. So you're really actually adding to the conversation. And I think people, especially the younger generation, they need they need your wisdom. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's uh, hopefully useful. And and I've been lucky to have the experiences that I've had. I've had a, you know a chance to really explore a lot of different avenues throughout the years, which have sort of brought me to where I am today, still asking questions. That's fabulous. And and I think it's through those new questions leaning into the unknown that's going to help us remake humanity and the world we live in through our stories. Well, we certainly hope so, because we definitely need some hope for better tomorrows right now. Absolutely. And it sounds like your current work in progress will definitely give us some of that hope. So I hope to have you back when that story is done and, and out in the world. No, I appreciate that. And hopefully that won't be nearly as long as it's taken me to get to this point with it. But you know how that is with stories. They come when I they do. come sometimes. Exactly. I always tell mm -hmm. my writers, you know, it takes as long as it takes, as long as we're showing up for the work on a regular basis and not shying away from the hard stuff, it'll get done. In this next excerpt, I speak with Denise Baden and talk about her eco-romance Habitat Man. Enjoy. How can I maybe be a bit more ambitious mm -hmm. in my world building and think about the cultural and economic and those kinds of factors as, as well as just this technology or that technology? Right. So it seems like really the first step for writers is focus on the solution. Focus on what experts are saying, are doing, are thinking, are discussing, and then write toward that, the resolution. It feels like it could be built into the resolution of the story, but it also could be built in like what you did with Habitat Man. You had him have his interest in ecology and sustainable gardening when he was much younger. And so he's first working on it as a side project. And he thinks the solution is through economics, through accounting. And then when that well, I don't want to reveal the story too much, but I feel like you did a good job organically setting up the character so that he had a personal interest 
that would eventually, in a circuitous, wonderful storytelling way, lead to a solution that that is very satisfying and felt very organic. It didn't feel like I was being shoehorned into the solution part of the story. It felt like this is something that the character really cared about. And he had his own journey to get there in a way that was very wonderful. You felt great when you got there. So at least in the short story, I haven't read the entire novel. I read enough of the novel where he he starts to walk into his new role as Habitat Man. And it was very wonderful. And I also love the romance that you're building in there. Well, you've hit the nail on the head, Beth, because my first draft was nothing like that. My first draft was one big preachy info dump. And I had to get it out of my system. And last but not least of this episode's top five favorite interviews for How to Write the Future podcast and wrapping up my top 10 for the year is my conversation with Nina Hart, fellow writing teacher. And I just really enjoyed my conversation with her about beginner's mind and playfulness and bringing that into your writing. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you tell me what your favorite interviews were of everything that I've released so far for the How to Write the Future podcast. Stay tuned to Right After Nina Hart. I share with you a way that you can get some help as a writer. So I decided I would go back to beginner's mind. I would stop taking classes. I would throw out all of the rules. The hooligan got to come in to play at that time. My inner teenager or troublemaker, I unlearn everything I had learned about writing and relearn to create and write in my own way. And that was a process. I went over and over certain prompts that I'd received from a person named Marilyn, who actually did lead a writing group, but it wasn't a class. And she was in her 80s and she came up with these bizarre kind of nonsensical writing prompts. And I think there's something about engaging nonsense, that sort of Dr. Seussian language that allows us to go back to our inner child. It allows us to start playing again and be curious and to drop the expectations. So I just started playing in the land of Marilyn prompts and other prompts that I gave myself that once I had certain rules, if this is not fun, I am not going to do it. And I just started reconstituting myself. The amusement park ride did come around after I had done some of that and I went back to Marilyn's group. And I felt, this is very strange, of course, but these are science fiction writers you are working with. So let's just go to that place. Yeah, go there, go there. Go there, going all the way. So I felt the top of my head open. It's the only way I can describe it. In Marilyn's class, I felt like finally I was not censoring what was coming through me. I was embracing it and curious and happy about it. And with every prompt, say it was a 10 minute prompt, I felt like I was like strapping into a little amusement park ride and going, hmm. I wonder where we're going to go now. And like an astronaut, I would just go around the circle. And then at the end of the 10 minutes, plop, I would be back and I would be like, what What was that? Kind of in the vein of an improviser where you say yes to everything. And after the improv is over with your partners, you don't remember what you just did until you reflect back on it. 
because you're so in the moment. And that's kind of part of how I reconstituted my writing process. Oh, that's so beautiful. Your courage, the wonderment that you brought, and also that rule of it needing to be fun. I just love that. If there was one rule I could offer all writers, and it sounds like you too, it's like, only do it if it's fun. And even the hard stuff, the hard stuff can be fun too. Thanks for listening, everyone. This ends my top five list of this episode, but wrapping up a whole little series of top 10. You can listen to the one I did just the other day on another five favorite interviews over the last 75 episodes I've done of How to Write the Future podcast. And I would love to hear from you. What is your favorite interview or interviews that I've done? And then as promised, if you would like to get some writing support, for your um, science fiction or fantasy novel, I recommend that you sign up for our world building workbook. It's a PDF that will allow you to think about key aspects of your story world. And there's some tips in there on exactly how to do that. So you can check out the show notes for the link or just go to howtowritethefuture.com and you'll find it. So that's it for now. Signing off. I have an upcoming special episode for you uh, next week. And a really fun New, Year, uh, New Year's episode as well. That's it for now. Write long and prosper.